97.9 The Hill, WCHO, and the UNC Hustman School of Journalism and Media present Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. Sports Focus, dedicated to in-depth examination of issues of overriding importance in the sports world. Each week, we'll discuss problems and look for solutions in professional, collegiate, and amateur sports. From Carroll Hall on the Carolina campus, here's your host, UNC Journalism Professor Charlie Tuggle. Welcome to Sports Focus. Our topic today, ACC football. Our guest, Grace Rayner, writer at The Athletic and a UNC alum. So, Grace, I've been expecting some grand announcement that, uh, yes, things are, are you, you get little bits and pieces here, but nothing that says definitively, at least that I've seen, that we are playing football. What, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, the obviously we've seen that the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have definitively decided not to play. Um, but as we look at the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12, they're just marching on with, with business as usual and have said, you know, this is something that we want to do and something that we want to try to make happen. And um, if they need to adjust, which they already have in some situations, they will. Uh, but this seems to be something that they're ready to move forward with if they can. All right, you cover Clemson uh, primarily. What's and Clemson's been the the class of ACC football for a few years now. What are you hearing out of Clemson? Yeah, so Clemson situation is a little bit different than than most of the other schools. They had a major outbreak in June when they had almost forty players get the virus, um, but since then they have only had one positive case since July tenth. Students don't come back on campus until September 21st. And so Clemson, you know, one of the teams and one of the actually probably the school that had more te- more public positive tests than, than any other school, uh, certainly among those that were announced, is now in a really good situation, having just had one in the last six weeks or so. All right. Well, you have Trevor Lawrence, who is, is sort of the, the all-star quarterback. He's been very vocal about we want to play. Uh, he's gotten some pushback about that. He has been very vocal. Yeah, we've kind of seen Trevor come into his voice this offseason, kind of take a leadership standpoint. Um, and he and one of his teammates at Clemson got together with a, a bunch of the guys in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, SEC and Big 12, and just said, hey, this is what we want to do. This is kind of how we want to use our voice. And obviously it wasn't enough to save the Big Ten and Pac-12 seasons, but this was something that was important to him. He, he put out in, into the world and, and stood by it. But, of course, I mean, anytime that a quarterback, anytime that, you know, someone with, with national prominence uses their voice in that way, there's going to be some pushback. There are certainly some questions about, you know, the, the medicine and, and why three conferences are playing if two are not. But this was important for Trevor to be very vocal about the fact that, hey, I want to play and I'm going to let you guys know that. So a couple of things I think are somewhat telling in terms of are we going to play, are we not going to play? So uh, NC State's first game got uh, postponed, not canceled, postponed to a couple of weeks later. So it's you don't postpone games if you're not going to play, right? You, so that, that sort of makes us think that, uh, that they are going to play. But what do you hear, Clemson and other places, it's like there, there has to be – some kind of uh, decision-making process, some sort of um, trigger, if you will, in that process to say, you know what, we just can't go with this being the case. X number of cases, 
X number of hospitalizations, anything like that? Yeah, so I think that's where this ACC Medical Advisory Group really comes into play. And they have said, you know, here are the protocols. Here's what we expect from all of our member schools. Here is what all the non-conference teams that are playing our member schools need to adhere by. And I think that's why we've seen some flexibility in the schedule is for, for situations just like the one that NC State and Virginia Tech have is that, okay, cases popped up. We, we knew that this was a possibility. NC State has, you know, kids quarantining. They have kids positive. But this is why the ACC said, okay, we're going to go to a league-only schedule plus one non-conference, and we're going to make this flexible to where if we need to move things around, if we need to readjust, we can. And that's exactly what we're seeing with, with NC State and Virginia Tech as they move that game back two weeks while NC State tries to get a situation, get, get a hold, excuse me, on its situation. Yeah, that was uh, an open date that both teams had. So that worked out. That was pretty fortuitous. And uh, is it still the case that uh, every team uh, is supposed to have start the season at least with two open dates to be able to move things around if needed? My understanding is that they have two, yes. And so, and just for that same reason is if we have to readjust, we can. Um, and, and that just gives them flexibility. I know a lot of people have, have questioned, well, you know, in Clemson's case, why can they play Notre Dame and go all the way to Indiana, but not play South Carolina and Columbia, which is just two hours away. But it's never really been about geography. It's been about flexibility and being able to act as one uniform body to be able to assess situations just like this without having to involve several different conferences all at once. All right. So you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the 10 uh, conference games and then the one non-conference. Uh, Liberty, what's going to be on, what's going to be the, the uh, non-conference opponent for several different ACC teams, and then Liberty had a real issue. Uh, what's the latest with that? Liberty, yeah. So Liberty obviously raised some questions because Coach Hugh Freeze had basically told the media, my understanding is that he his players were not symptomatic, and so Liberty hadn't tested in a little while. And, and that is something that I think really is going to end up complicating this is just because you know, we know this virus has, has lots of people that are asymptomatic. You know, we know at Clemson that at least 50% of their kids that had it were asymptomatic. And so if you're not testing and you're not following the ACC protocol, which the ACC has said we expect our non-conference opponents to follow, uh, that's a major problem. And so um, I think that, you know, as we move forward, I know Clemson's going to be testing three times a week in, in season. And, and there's going to be an expectation that, if we're playing someone from an, a non-conference that, that they do the same. And so certainly the Liberty situation, I think raised a lot of questions, a lot of concerns, some worry. And, and Syracuse's athletic director who plays Liberty had basically said, this is, this is not acceptable. Sports focus. We'll be right back. You're listening to sports focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking with uh, writer for The Athletic, Grace Rayner, also a UNC alum, about the return, uh, the hoped-for, some would say prayed-for return of uh, ACC football and other fall sports. So, Grace, we were talking in the first segment about a game being postponed and that being kind of a sign that the intention is still to play. Uh, the, the big tackle from UCLA – has entered the transfer portal saying, I want to play in either the ACC or the SEC. 
mainly because it looks like they're going to play. So players who are really, really good players in some of these leagues that have canceled already are maybe starting to look uh, elsewhere. I think that this is a question that we all had was kind of how is this going to play out? Um, but I also think that there are, you know, there's some questions about the feasibility of that, right? I mean, you look at the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12, who have all said that they are going to continue to push forward. And from a roster management standpoint, they're pretty set. I mean, I think there's, of course, situations are going to arise and, you know, scholarship here or there might open up. But it's not like they're going to have several different scholarship openings as long as their players opt in which we've seen most of the players in the ACC have opted in. And so um, I think that tackle is headed to Baylor, if I'm not mistaken. So obviously Baylor's in the Big 12. Uh, he, he will have a chance to play, but I don't know that we're going to see this be extremely popular just because a lot of these schools are filled up. You know, they've, they've got things under control. That, was a, that raises another question is, you know, when a player opts out, uh, I believe the the player retains the scholarship, but does that open up a slot? Say, you know, three uh, Carolina DBs have opted out. Can Carolina find a DB from USC who who might want to come in and play right away? That's a good question that that I probably need to do more research on. But you're right. I mean, we know that these kids are retaining their scholarships. The, I guess the question is just, are they considered? members of the 85. Um, and so that's something that uh, you and I probably both should look into to, to figure out because you're right, it, it does raise a question of, you know, if, if they're down several kids, do you get to go get someone else to, to fill out that depth? All right. Well, you can do the research on that and then let me know what you find. Deal. <laughs> All right. So super. Uh, fans, right? Uh, we've seen some of the plans for the ACC teams. They range from no fans to no fans at first to 20 to 25% capacity. Uh, what's Clemson's plan? Clemson has not currently announced a plan, which I think has caused a lot of confusion as we get closer and closer to the start of the season is that they still don't have anything announced. And so I do think that it's coming sooner rather than later. Um, I know that South Carolina has, has gone ahead and put their proposal together to uh, the governor's office. And they want, I believe right around uh, anywhere between 20 and 25%. And so Clemson stadium holds about 80,000 people. And so I, I don't think that we'll be seeing any more than, than 20,000 just if we're looking at this, based on the way that we've seen other schools do it. Yeah, so uh, again, that, that raises an interesting question because let's say 25%. Uh, Neyland Stadium, University of Tennessee, more than 100,000 people can fit in that stadium. So you get 25,000 people, they have to get to the stadium, they have to get into the stadium, they have to be seated in a social distancing sort of grid. I mean, you talk about a major undertaking. Absolutely. I mean, you also have tailgating to consider, parking. I mean, there's just so many logistics that obviously you have during any normal college football season, but that are just, they just require so much more attention and care right now because this truly is unprecedented. I mean, schools have never dealt with anything like this. You have uh, boosters, ticket refunds, you know, all of these different things coming into play. 
And so that's why I think that a school like Clemson, who hasn't gone public yet, um, is probably a, under a little bit of pressure to go ahead and get this out so that people can, can start figuring it out and making these plans. Yeah, because uh, that's a big part of people's Saturdays in, in the fall is college football. And, you know, I went to the University of Florida and I remember vividly all those years ago that the big Winnebago's, they're coming in like Tuesday, you know, and people are there the whole week and they're partying and they're having fun. And how do you manage that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at a state like South Carolina, too, and there are no professional sports in South Carolina. I mean, this is very much a college-centered state, you know, very similar to in North Carolina, you know, you, you, you were born either a, a state Duke or Carolina fan. In South Carolina, you're born a Clemson or a South Carolina fan. And, and these college football games on Saturday afternoons are a huge part of your, of your social life and, and what you love to do. And so, yeah, I mean, Clemson in the past has had like a whole field of RVs and, you know, people, same thing. They come days early to, to get ready and to hang out. And so, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look nothing like we've ever seen before, that's for sure. And then you have the group of people who will also probably say, okay, you know what, we're going to just take a pause on this season, either put our money towards 2021 tickets or ask for a refund. Sports Focus, we'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking about ACC football with Grace Rayner of The Athletic. Uh, Grace, we were talking about, you know, people plan their lives around uh, college football. And uh, I think even if Clemson or other schools have no fans, I believe the ratings, if, if they're able to get a couple of games in and everything looks like it's going to be fine and, and they're not going to hospitalize a bunch of players, that the ratings will be astronomical. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's never been a more important time for, for a television crews to inform the public and to, you know, quite literally bring them into a place where they aren't either are not or are not allowed to be. And so I think that you will see uh, for sure. I mean, then you just also add on to the fact that all the fans that would have been in all these stadiums are now at home. And so just by that, the number goes up, but for sure, I'm extremely interested to see how television crews kind of um, approach this because they are going to be so, so important in bringing these fans in, giving them the information, being the liaison, you know, between the teams that, that these fans love to see and the fans that are at home watching. One of our professors at, at, uh, in the Hussman School at UNC is a director, uh, his full-time job is a director for CBS Sports and uh, PGA. So they have two main crews that they're bouncing back and forth weekend by weekend. So you don't go from California to Ohio. You go from California, you stay in California and you quarantine and then you go to the third tournament. So I, there are a lot of, lot of things I think that are going to come into play here. I did want to ask you about uh, Dabo Swinney. We, we hear a lot from Trevor Lawrence outside of South Carolina, uh, here in North Carolina and elsewhere, I don't think we hear as much about the head coach. What's he had to say? Yeah, so Dabo has been very vocal about, you know, even when the virus started in April, he was really optimistic that college football would go on and that college football would be able to play. And so 
his standpoint hasn't really changed. I know that he's been very pleased with the communication between the member schools and the ACC. Um, he is obviously really excited about the opportunity to, to play and try to get this season in. Um, but he understands too. I mean, that's someone who, who had, you know, almost 40 kids that got it, just how important it is for testing and uh, social distancing and really keeping these kids safe. So if at any point that he feels like it's not safe, um, he'll be happy to walk away as well. Okay, so we're we're uh, a couple of weeks away from uh, the start of the season. A uh, little bit of prognostication I'm asking you to do here. Let's say that ACC, SEC uh, manage to play, do well, no, no real problems. What does that do to the balance of power in college football next year and the year after? I don't know. And I also don't know what it does to the schedule of college football. You know, if, if let's say ACC, SEC and Big 12 get through this and then the college football playoff has said, you know, they're going to march on like usual. Well, then what happens with um, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 playing in the spring? And then how do you sync it back up to where they're in the fall? I mean, there's just there's just so many logistics. But I think that the biggest thing that we're seeing here is that all of us probably assumed that the Power Five conferences would act together, you know, as a, as a unified body. I think that when the Big Ten made their decision, we all thought the dominoes were going to fall pretty immediately. And what we've seen is that these conferences are saying, you know what, on this one, you know, we're, we're acting independently. We're acting conference by conference. And, and I think that that has been a really interesting power dynamic to watch. All right. Here's a, here's a theory that I've, I've heard floated out there. Uh, if this happens, that's kind of, if not the last nail, one of the last nails in the coffin of the NC2A, because who needs the NC2A if these conferences are able to do this independently? I don't know what's about that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so we've obviously seen the NCAA and they've canceled all their fall championships, but the NCAA doesn't govern the the college football playoff and they don't govern the the college football championship anyway. Um, And so I don't know. I think that obviously that's something that we've all wondered. And I think that we have seen these schools and, you know, the conferences making their decisions have been from university presidents. You know, we've seen the the presidents and the ADs working together. It hasn't been necessarily a conversation with the NCAA. So I don't, I don't know how that's going to shake out, but I do think that people are curious, you know, they're seeing these conferences do what they want to do. And this is an institution that doesn't govern the, the college football championship anyway. So perhaps uh, these institutions will see it as, hey, we, you know, we can call the, our own shots. The, supposedly they do anyway as member institutions in the NC2A, but uh, I think that's a point that could be argued and has been argued. I do think, too, though, that we, we're seeing, you know, especially this summer as the name, image, and likeness debate has kind of raged on, that the NCAA and the Power Five conferences are on the same page with that and are, you know, asking Congress for help and some regulations. And so um, I, I do still think that they, they need each other, um, but it, it, it does raise questions about, well, okay, these conferences are making their decisions. Um, how much do they, how, how, how much influence does the NCAA have over their specific decisions? And when it comes to football, uh, if you don't play football, you pretty much don't play anything else. And that's, uh, I think, a a big part of the decision is uh, women's soccer and uh, lacrosse and some of these other things. At any rate, that does it for this edition of Sports Focus. Thanks to our guest, Grace Rayner.
Thanks also to producer Chip Sweeney. And as always, thanks to you for listening. Cheers. Thanks to Richard Southall, Mark Nagel, and Deborah Southall at the College Sport Research Institute at the University of South Carolina for their research and guidance and for access to CSRI's international network of sources. Sports Focus is a service of UNC's Hussman School of Journalism and Media.